and he's basically shooting random people that don't exist with a chicken. fourth episode of Cinema Decon, deconstructing and overthinking the movies of our younger years. My name is Steve, and on this podcast, we will revisit the movies that we keep in the back part of our minds as flawless masterpieces, untouchable by any criticism. And hopefully they stay that way. Join us as we rewatch a randomly selected movie from our list of 300 plus from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. With me on this journey is my co-host, who has really grown up a lot since we last talked before dinner, Aaron. How are you tonight, Aaron? I'm doing fairly good tonight, Steve. It's uh, been a pretty decent week here in North Georgia. Uh, the gas is flowing again. I actually just got my first uh, COVID-19 vaccine the other day, so all my muscles are completely sore right now. Welcome to the fold. Yeah. So I'm pretty content in just sitting in my chair and watching movies. Perfect. I was sore for body sore for a day after the the second shot. And then, yeah, and that's what I've heard is the first shot kind of sets you up and the second one really knocks you down. So my second one isn't until the first, first or second week of next month. So on the ninth, Uh, I don't want to look at a calendar right now because I'm really (laughs) lazy. So what we do here at Cinema Decon is rewatch an old movie with the hopes that they're still as good as we remember them. Then Steve and I meet it up and point out our highs and lows and give a rank and place it on our mega list. Mega list. So one thing I want to bring up in our beginning here, because I love my wife and value my marriage, I must give her full credit for being the first person, not the last, to point out our one major mistake in the last episode. Holly was not Julia's sister in The Wedding Singer. She was her cousin. It's a good catch, sweetheart. I have no idea how many times we said sister in that, but it was a lot. Yeah, little column A, little column B. I've seen that movie so many times. I I always I never thought it was her sister. That. I assume that as well. There's like one line at the beginning that says cousin, and that's it. Are we sure that it's actually cousin? Did you rewatch it, or is uh, your wife just making things up just to kind of get an edge on you? My wife is infallible, and. <laughs> It's it's okay, Steve. She's not listening. <laughs> she we we've established this. She doesn't listen to our podcast, so you can say whatever you want. However, she has given us a five star review. Only Which because is more important, yes. <laughs> only because her iPad, my daughter, was watching it, and it has the uh, the Apple Podcast app. <laughs> Lo and behold, somehow it got a five star rating on Cinema Deca. It's crazy. <laughs> Maybe that was the turning point of our crazy Friday where we had like six times as many downloads as we normally get. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're apparently huge in Brazil. Uh, so I'm going to have to start speaking Spanish at this point. Yo tengo el gato en los pantalones. Portuguese. That's as much as you're going to get from me. Portuguese in Brazil. Don't. Again, little column A, little column B. I spent the last of the petty cash, and I had it translated into Portuguese. (laughs) Uh, I see what you did there. 
Yes, today's movie is the 2001 comedy Wet Hot American Summer, directed by David Wayne and starring an ensemble cast from many people from the state and some future SNL alums. It, it's too long of a list. I'm not going to list all the other stars there. Aaron, what's your recollection of Wet Hot American Summer? It actually has been so long since I've seen this movie. The main, the main thing I remember is, and I, I'm, it's blanking me, the actor's name, but he was the chef. Uh, and I just him saying the line, I want you inside me. That's, that's the one thing that comes to mind when I think of this movie. Is that, is that before or after he humps the fridge? And see, again, I haven't seen it in so long, I don't remember. Uh, I know Michael Ian Black is also in this, but this is the guy from CSI, not CSI. This is the uh, the guy that played the chef. SVU. Was, uh, uh, yeah, from uh, Law and Order SVU, and I just can't remember his name. <laughs> but just him as the chef. Same line. And then I know a couple of their like, uh, people from the state slash Reno 911 type cast, that, that whole group uh, were in this movie as well. Um, I tried watching the the revival show and just never got around to, to really getting more into it. Well, the revival shows to me were, were hilarious because they were so, so I watched this movie last year, mid pandemic. It was, it was on Netflix and yeah, I watched it. And so I have a pretty good memory of, of what happens in this movie. And, and I know I'm going to love this classic. And this came out in, in 2001 I first saw this movie at Josh's house. Oh yeah. Uh, so this was over when we were brewing beer at, at Josh's house with, with Michael and everyone. And that, that's where I, I first just kind of discovered this, this gem. And uh, so I know it, it takes place on the last day of camp at a Jewish camp. And, and then the revival series, there was two of them on Netflix. One was the first day of camp. And the fact that this was made, you know, 10, 15 years after the original movie, you know, people are fatter, people are older. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't matter. They just played their roles as if they were teenagers on the first day of camp, which was hilarious. And then they did a 10 years after for a yeah. second series. And, and that one got a bit weird. They brought in Reagan and, and Chris Pines in there. And it is, it, that one gets a little weird, but the original classic is a, a hilarious movie. I, I could watch this any day. I'm, I'm, this is going to be a fun one. Oh, excellent. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, you, you've got David Hyde Pierce. you got Janine Garofalo. I can't think of his name either, but yeah, the guy from uh, uh, SVU. But uh, the, remember the can of beans? Yeah. that's uh, The voice of that can is Archer. Uh, what's his name? Uh-huh. H. John Benjamin. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the first time I ever heard his voice. Uh, but then, yeah, all the main players from the state are doing a fantastic job across the board. Plus, you've got yeah, it was uh, Christopher Maloney. That's by it. The way, that's it. Uh, is the guy's name Paul Rudd? Yep. Who? And that's his little tantrum is a gif I send to my wife often, where he he, he just throws <laughs> his head around and stomps his feet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's that's Michael. That's Michael Showalter who says that. That's right. <laughs> when he's talking I, to Mark, I thought that Reaver. was Christopher Maloney. No, no, it's, 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 that's right. I remember the scene now. He's he's trying to talk to her, and as she's walking away, he's just like, "I want you inside gonna, me. I want you inside me." <laughs> What'd you say? Nothing. 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 <laughs> yeah, but then you've got a couple of SNL SNL classics in here too, with Amy Poehler and Molly Shannon. Yep. 
and, and um uh, and the good. one the one pretty guy in his first role i believe uh, or very early in his career um oscar winner um he plays rocket raccoon which is uh, oscar winner. it's the first thing i go to oh bradley cooper yeah oscar winner and i the, I, what i know him most is a raccoon and yeah that's the thing i i know him from alias is when i first saw him oh i, I never watched alias it's good for what it was it was pretty good but yeah this is definitely one though that will not hold up well to certain uh people because <laughs> this this is absurdist humor oh yes Pretty much anything the state or the Reno 911. I think I yeah. think if you're a fan of the state or a fan of Reno 911, you will like this movie. Exactly. And if this is not your type of humor, you're not you're not going to enjoy that that movie at all. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's going to make no sense. While we're going to be laughing our ass off, and that's okay with us. As long as we're happy, we're happy. All right. So we will go off and watch Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, come on. That's all I got. Or other than I want you inside me. Yeah, that, that, that one doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't about the girl, Coop. It isn't? Well, it is. But see if you can follow me here. It isn't. Oh. So it is. And it isn't. You are ready to be taught the new way. Will you help teach me about this? What is it? A new way? And we're back. So how to approach this crazy movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure we can. We, we went from a very by-the-book romantic comedy with The Wedding Singer to Wet Hot American Summer, which is a, a crazy spoof on the sleepaway camp-style movies of the 80s. And it has eight different plot lines that I counted. <laughs> Uh, a dozen cast members. I was going to say, if you were going to try to find a discernible overall arcing plot to this movie, you were going to be sadly disappointed. This movie was just all over the place. Plot. <laughs> do you want to do, try to do the plot summary <laughs> since there's really no plot or. <laughs> okay. So what had American summer uh, on the last day of a Jewish summer camp, a whole group of junior counselors try to resolve their unfinished business, whether it's to lose their virginity or other things. Uh, and you have the adults that are, have their unfinished business of finding their true self, falling in love with the neighboring scientists, or wondering why a man is a can of beans, all before the end of the summer musical, and also Skylab. <laughs> yeah that, that was pretty succinct the end and scene <laughs> so of the, let me, here, here's the eight storylines i've got you've got story one is eight katie and coop yes story two is uh victor and abby slash the river rafting kids 
<laughs> oh my God, they're coming across <laughs> the river. <laughs> I've got these in order uh, that they're introduced all at the beginning of the movie. Okay. All right. Uh, story three is Gene and his. Gene is the cook and his internal issues. <laughs> yeah. Gene, Gene is a character and could probably make an entire show in and of himself. Uh, story four is Henry, the associate professor scientist who has, <laughs> has his own journey through the movie. But yeah, it's working on trying to get secure tenure and uh, the wiles of lovely Janine Garofalo. Yes. And then eventually Skylab. Story five is the talent show. Oh, it's lovely Avian Polar. Story six is McKinley's sexuality. <laughs> McKinley slash Ben, yes. Story seven is Gail's marital issues. <laughs> Which that whole storyline right there probably wouldn't fly today, but and then I have story eight is just catch all everything else, the the little stuff. Yeah. So eight eight storylines, but 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 seven main storylines. Yeah, as I said, this movie is all over the place. <laughs> so this one takes place on the last day of summer camp, uh, August eighteenth, nineteen eighty one, uh, just outside. Where was it? It's, a, it's in Maine. Uh, let me grab that. Yeah, it was. It was like Watertown. <laughs> I had that listed down. It's good to go into town for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> We'll get to that. <laughs> Waterville. Waterville. So, yeah, it takes place just outside Waterville, Maine. Uh, we don't know exactly where. Did they say the name of the camp? Because I know they camp said Firewood. the name of the neighboring camp, Camp Firewood. So we have Camp Firewood. And then Camp Tiger uh, Claw across the lake. really close to, yeah, the rival Camp Tiger Claw. Um, no... No Camp Crystal Lake, unfortunately. <laughs> but I will say, like, just from the intro, the intro was great. Yes. The first thing it reminded me of, with with everybody, mm-hmm. like, hobbling around the campfire, the first thing it reminded me of is, like, the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. Primarily yeah. from the wardrobe, because, oh, my God, did we dress like idiots in the 80s. Uh, it was a thing of beauty. Right up to the striped, between the striped socks and the Reese's T-shirt. Oh, yeah. That song, though, Jane by Jefferson Starship, is perfect on yes. that intro. And <laughs> it's uh, that's a great intro. And I, I can't hear the beginning of that song and not think of this movie. It's just it's just too perfect. Yeah, from the from the perspective of the best portions of this movie from a cinematic standpoint, they hit the nail on the head on the intro, and then it kind of went downhill from there. But that's okay. Well, let me let me say off the bat. So we we mentioned it in our pre-wash that this is absurdist humor you're either gonna enjoy it and get it or it's just not going to be your cup of tea and case in point is my own father who is following the podcast and he watched it and his his text back was this is terrible two out of ten yeah it's i don't know what got the two points but it's that my dad did not enjoy it i mean it's it's two points more than we probably should have gotten from your father this is definitely some if you into this type of comedy you like it, or at least kind of like it, and if you're not, then it just lands completely flat because it's this movie is not for everyone. Well, it's also worth mentioning the state. So I watched the state religiously on MTV. I loved that show. Everything from uh, you know we're gonna go watch the monkeys do it, or I'm gonna dip my balls in it, and or or was uh, the state had um, 
had Doug, who was, you know, I'm Doug and I'm out of here. I'm Doug and you're dad and I'm out of here. Who was played by Michael Showalter, who plays Coop, who is kind of our main character in this movie. If I had to say he's a main character, he's the only one that plays multiple characters in this movie as well. Yes, he does. That's not really touched on, but that's a and but that's and that's okay because yeah, he, other he plays the uh, the old MC at the end from the Catskills. Yes. So well, the the movie starts out with like a six a.m. wake up. You've got the counselor, not the counselor, the camp director, and the nurse sitting there as the kids who are not supposed to be in the girls' bunks are all running across. Oh, they every single one of them. It's a good representation of last day of camp because they don't care. Any responsibility or authority is gone already. Yeah, Janine Garofalo is sitting out there with the other director, and and they're just watching everybody running back to their own bunks, and they're like, no, wait, stop, <laughs> don't. And they don't really care. <laughs> they have to act like they care, but they don't really. And then the flag goes up is where we first meet Katie and Coop and start their storyline, as Katie is very oddly making out with Andy. Uh, <laughs> very oddly. It, and I didn't really mention Andy in the original seven storylines, uh, but he's kind of the third point of the love triangle, if you can even call it a love triangle. Uh, so, but it's established that Coop wants Katie. Katie has no idea and doesn't really care. Katie wants Andy, and Andy is a complete tool. Yes. It's it's probably some of the best acting I've seen from Paul Rudd. Oh, I love his character. Completely playing a 13-year-old boy in a 20-some-year-old body, uh, particularly <laughs> when he's asked to, like, clean up after himself. He just throws an entire fit. It's great. It's still my favorite scene from him. <laughs> it has no bearing on the movie whatsoever. It is exactly. there strictly to, 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 him to throw a tantrum. <laughs> to, to establish his character of, of a complete tool. <laughs> but when that flag goes up, that's where you get the, uh, uh, the coop line. You know, I want you inside me. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, what? No, nothing, nothing. 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 So then you enter you enter in with uh, Victor, which is played by Ken Marino, who is walking mm-hmm. around basically thinking everyone, every girl, not everyone, I guess, but every girl there, just by looking at him, wants to be with him. Yes. You know, for lack of a better word. Just, oh, was he, were you talking to Abby? Uh, does she want to, you know, blank me? Otherwise, why would she be talking to you kind of thing? So he's a little full of himself. I've seen Kim Reno in several other things. This was obviously one of the first things I've seen him in, but it didn't really resonate uh, with him because I haven't seen this in so long. But he he plays a very good victor as, you know, the the very insecure man who, who has not lost his virginity. Insecure man who's secretly, yeah, but he secretly has, a virgin. But he, he portrays outwardly that he has banged everybody. Exactly. Yeah, in the cafeteria, he meets up with Beth, who tells him that he has to take the kids rafting, but he has other ideas because he has to make it with Abby by the end of the day. Yeah, in which when he goes to when he goes to depart from said uh, uh, when he goes to depart for said rafting trip, Abby meets him right outside the van and literally lifts him up by his underthings, <laughs> which which is not absurd at all, of course, because you know we've all been there. In the cafeteria, we also meet Gene, who is standing over the shoulder of Gary, uh, the the assistant cook. But Gene is the Vietnam veteran head cook at Camp Firewood, who 
has so many issues. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not here to talk lightly on PSTD. Uh, I'm a veteran. I know I PTSD. I'm a veteran. I, I know many people and, uh, but from a comedic standpoint, he nails it. Man, he's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, that, God. He, to, he if you're a fan it. of Law and Order SBU and then you see Detective Stabler in this role, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it. Well, that's that's why my dad didn't like the show. Because <laughs> man, that is not Detective Stabler. Yeah. Christopher Loney totally totally nailed that role of Gene. He he repeatedly the... makes odd statements, uh, such as, I'm gonna go fondle my sweaters. And then he gets questioned on Did you what did you just say? I'm gonna go, you know, check on my dressers. Yeah, you know. things. Yeah, basically, basic things that we've learned about Gene based on his accidental comments around people is that he apparently uses dick cream. He fondles his sweaters, which I'm not even t- entirely sure what that means. Um, he likes to smear mud on his ass, and he wants to hump fridges. So I have seen the prequel series and the Ten Years After series, so I know Gene's origin. But I'm gonna. Uh, I'll yeah, talk well, about that at the end let's of the show. Say that. Yeah, but uh, I, I know some things, <laughs> and just as absurd as what you've already seen. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, oh no, if they're more absurd than I want to hear them. But alas, so then we get into introducing some of the groups of kids. We we obviously have you know the regular kids, and then the the D and D kids, uh, particularly the one that literally looks like McLovin. Uh, strolls up to the the uh, the cool girls table, basically trying to pick up anybody by asking them if they want to play D anD D, which is kind of the intro to. The I gotta D&D give that kid kids. credit. He, that kid's got balls. I mean, he just he walked up and he, and he and everything they he threw, laid him, it he all threw out. right back. Yeah, and and when he got shot down, he was like, "All right, cool. See you later." That set up that kind of set up the the mood for the the D anD D and you know the nerd kids. Who are who are you know categorized later as kind of the outcast group? Yeah, because the professor walks in and and he starts asking around. <laughs> yeah. uh, where, Can you guess where, where the the, uh, where are the, the, the indoor the weird, kids? <laughs> the, yeah, the weird nerdy indoor kids. And then as soon as he said that, they all pointed. But then that gives you the D and D D and D kid. As uh, per the credits, we have the Cure Girl, the Punk Girl, the and that's literally go, how they t- name yeah, them. Yeah, that's they're, they're exactly character how names. They name them. <laughs> the Mork kid. One kid's dressed up as Mork. Oh God! <laughs> and then you have Kevin Sussman as the uh, the kid who talks as a as a robot most of the movie. Um, Steve. Yeah, his name's Steve. <laughs> yeah, Steve. Well, he's, uh, he's played by Kevin Sussman, who is also uh, the, the main place I know him from is uh, uh, the Big Bang Theory. He plays the comic store owner in Big Bang Theory, if you ever watched oh, that. Oh, I never yes. even put that together. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, my okay. favorite, Probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they run, they walk up to him, and he's basically shooting random people that don't exist with a chicken. And I just, that, I laughed out loud. <laughs> he has that conversation with Beth, the camp director, and she's like, is this your first day at camp? He's like, no, I've been here five years. You were my counselor for three years. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously he's a little forgettable, but that's beside the point. And then we also in the cafeteria start the talent show story. So we meet um, uh, Amy Poehler and Bradley Cooper, the the people running the talent show. 
<laughs> producer slash executive producer slash director slash co-director slash choreographer. Yeah. <laughs> and this was Bradley Cooper's first film. And I think he nailed it. I think he did pretty well for the. He he was a small role, but I think he did well. With as many people in this movie, a lot of them were small roles. His side role takes into the next storyline, which is McKinley's sexuality. Exactly. The storyline I could have done without was Gail's marital issues. So Molly Shannon plays Gail, the, uh, yeah. the arts and crafts lady who, who spends the entire movie complaining about her marriage to her, to her kids in her, in her arts and crafts class who end up basically acting as a therapist. Yeah. It was kind of funny at the beginning and they, they may have drug it out a little too much because every time they flash back to her, again, it was fairly random when they'd flash back to her. She's still sitting there crying, and we had the one kid that was consoling her, giving her a back rub, trying to talk her through it kind of thing. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. agree with you. That could have gone without. That wasn't needed. And, and I think it's a waste of Molly Shannon because she's, she's a funny actress. She's great. And mm-hmm. just it, 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 they really just kind of drug that one out for probably runtime. It was funny in the very final scene where her and the kid are getting married. and <laughs> Another scene that probably wouldn't fly today. No. But alas. <laughs> amongst, amongst several scenes that wouldn't fly today, but it's okay. The whole Jewish camp thing, in my first couple watchings of this, I never caught on to that. I just, mm-hmm. It just never registered with me. Now, many years later, I, I get those jokes and... Especially once you get to the talent show, think, oh, okay, that makes sense. And particularly when you get to Janine Garofalo going into the cafeteria trying to call out students' names. I can't remember what she was calling them out for, if she was calling them out for the talent show, but she started calling out people's names, and maybe by the third or fourth name, she couldn't either remember the kid's last name or she couldn't pronounce them. So she just started making things up. <laughs> and she just kept going. <laughs> that was pretty- the coolest bit of trivia on that, though, is that the the camper they filmed this in Pennsylvania, Hank Azaria, was an actual camper there back in his youth. And at first, she was reading names off of a plaque in that same cafeteria. So when oh, she yeah. says Jessica Azaria, it's a throw to him, just as a ah, just a yes. shout out. Nice, yeah. But then she starts, yeah, she starts riffing. She mentions a couple of famous. Uh, uh, Israelis, apparently, uh, but but the rest are just completely you know mashed together names. Yeah, so we do get a, a a shot of the the full mostly full group uh, sitting on the steps uh, during the morning activities, and they they make plans to revisit to be yeah, there ten so, years later. As yeah, as Beth is trying to tell them what to do, and then they're all talk and they're all talking about we should we should plan a reunion for ten years later, and then Michael Ian's black. Michael Ian Black's like, let's make it for nine, maybe nine thirty. Yeah, let's set it for nine thirty because that way, or let's set it for nine. That way, we can be here by nine thirty. And then Michael Ian Black's like, well, as long as we're done by eleven, because I have something already. On 11. <laughs> I've already, I've already pushed it twice, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah, then we get a uh, a shot of of all the kids swimming at the docks with uh, Andy and JJ. We didn't mention JJ. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, he's he's oh, a friends, he's a main JJ. character in the group, uh, but he's just kind of the buddy. He's he's everyone's everyone's friend. So you got Andy, Paul Rudd, and JJ. Uh, who plays JJ? What was his name? Zach. That Orth. I don't have. Yes, Z- Zach Orth. Zach Orth. And they're just the lifeguards. So you got the kids that are just doing whatever they want. You got one kid driving a motorboat. 
for no reason. <laughs> yes. Hey, Andy, can I take out the boat? Yeah, I don't care. So Andy, Andy obviously doesn't care. He's he's too busy oogling uh, Lindsay, who is played by Elizabeth Banks. And when he says that, I, I'd love to. I'd love to spend two minutes with Lindsay, and then. JJ like high fives or whatever. JJ just walks and off just the walks dock. Off the, the dock. <laughs> yes. It was like we yeah, have no that's... way to write him out of this scene. So do something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> doesn't jump, doesn't do anything. He literally like falls face first into the water. And that's the last we see of him in the scene. And then Lindsay slash Elizabeth Banks just rolls up, you know, entered uh well while well, uh, and Andy's too. writing in his gurnal. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, who of course is supposed to be Katie's boyfriend, but also while they're uh, lifeguarding at the dock, a kid drowns, and then a second kid. Is it actually is is it actually uh, Kim that he actually drowned? Well, apparently it was it was written it was it was on the cutting room floor that it was supposed to be a running gag that all these kids keep dying under Andy's care, <laughs> under Andy's watch. <laughs> yeah, again, things that wouldn't fly today. But the second kid that blackmails them gets thrown out of a van. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, like yeah, you mean the surprise pizza party? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's get real here. Andy wants to take him. So he gets him. Yeah, it was because it was the first kid, right? The kid that points out that his friend has disappeared. All of a sudden it cuts to uh Andy driving the giant panel van or whatever. Uh it's like, hey, Andy, where are you taking me? It's like, oh, it's a secret pizza party. And then all of a sudden, he just opens the door and throws the kid out on the road. They, just, they do it one other time. Which they, they do it twice, which is, which is I great. Bet they, I bet they did it several others, but they just had to cut him, I bet. Yeah. That, that was a good running gag. It's just every now and then, yeah, whenever Andy runs into a kid that says something he doesn't agree with, they should have just cut to him throwing him out of a van on the side of the road. So then we uh, cut to Katie and Coop just sitting in the grass having a, a decent conversation. You know, it's kind of the... Oh, you know, going over the slut list? Yeah, I love sluts. It's just got to be the right slut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a mantra for life. Yeah, they, they have decent chemistry. It's really kind of the only scene they have where they just kind of chat. Well, I mean, there's the, there's the scene where they both go back and forth and exchange shirts, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that scene was dumb. <laughs> that's agreed, but I that's, think that's one that didn't work I think for it me. sets in the the kind of humor for the movie. At this point, Katie's basically going through a list of all the all the loose women she knows, trying to set Coop up with somebody because you know they're in the it's the whole best friend uh, of the girl you want to be with kind of trope. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, he's friend zoned pretty hard in this movie and. I've actually got a note here off the side that Katie's to me, the villain of this movie, the way it ends, I would say yes, um, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, I will say, I will say that is a good twist and I'll give him, I'll give him props for pulling that off and something we would never suspect. Yeah. Spoiler yeah, alert. It just doesn't get uh, the Hollywood ending for everybody. No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think they wrote that ending very well just to, just to give it a nice twist. But we're not there yet. From the from the scene of the slut list with Katie and Coop, we then uh, jump over to Beth, who is trying to, for lack of a better word, woo the Professor Henry, uh, played by David Hyde Pierce, the neighboring uh, physics professor, by trying to learn astrophysics, understand things that he likes, 
Um, she completely blows it on the first take. So she ends up asking for information on how to learn about astrophysics. Where, where can I find books on astrophysics? The library. But, but where can I find books on camp directing? The library. And are there actual books on camp directing? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a whole section of them in the Waterville library. Apparently. It's right next to the astrophysics aisle. <laughs> well, yeah, it's right next to the aisle. And that's the, the whole time when they go into the Waterville Town Center. That's a whole different thing. That is my favorite montage of the movie. <laughs> that is where the movie went off the rails for me. Um, I, I, I say... love it for, for several reasons. So if you haven't seen the movie recently, Beth is about to go into town uh, to find books at the library and all the main characters of the cast, they see her. Oh, Beth's going oh, yeah, to town. Beth they all pile in the, the back of the pickup truck. They all jump in the truck. So they drive in and within a two minute montage, they, I've got a list here. They go to the library, they eat ice cream, they eat French fries. Then they all share a cigarette then they have a six pack of beer. Then they start smoking weed. Then they buy cocaine from an old guy in an alley. <laughs> then they mug an old lady on the sidewalk. Then they end then up they in a crack house. Heroin. <laughs> then they all shoot up heroin. Yeah, and, and you, got, you got Beth, Beth tweaking out in the corner. <laughs> Katie is passed out with a needle in her arm. And then it cuts to all of them driving back into camp. They're all fine. As if nothing happened. Yeah. And you have JJ because... say, yeah, it's just good to get away for an hour. <laughs> It is such a great spoof on those types of montages from, you know, Meatballs and other movies. Yeah. It's just, it completely, completely kicks those to the curb. I loved it. As Victor and Neil, we forgot to mention Neil, another, uh, Neil. <laughs> another character. Yeah, um, played by Joe. I don't, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his last name. Joe. Oh, Latrulio? Joe, Joe Latrulio. Latrulio from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Victor and Neil are fairly inseparable throughout the movie. And it, it, Neil is Victor's sidekick. To, to Neil, Victor is the absolute world. So as, as they're driving the, this group of kids to the River Rapids, which is two hours away. <laughs> time means nothing in this movie. Time and distance. <laughs> time. Time. Yeah. Don't talk to me about time. <laughs> Victor is dead set on heading back to camp. And Neil's like, What's the big deal? You've banged everyone. So Victor comes clean to Neil about his virginity. And uh, what I didn't expect was Neil to be that devastated. He calls him a loser. Neil's crushed. His his hero is just not who he thought he was. Yeah, it seems like Neil might have basically built built Victor into kind of an idol from something to shoot for. And as soon as he realizes he's not the woman, ladies man that he obviously claimed to be. And then Neil has to reevaluate his life very quickly. Side note about Neil, though, from the prequel series, Neil is not a virgin. Oh, irony. Victor doesn't know that, though. But that's the fun. That is that actually adds to it a little more. <laughs> but then, yeah. So the big thing about that is Victor uh, really wants to get back. It's obviously the last day of camp. Victor really wants to get back. So Victor decides once they reach the head of the rapids, I guess, to basically abandon the kids, take the van, uh, leave Neil in charge, and drive back. That's the peril of women, I guess. And it leaves uh, Neil and the kids in a rough situation because Victor is the only person who can navigate those rapids. Damn right. They prove that later. 
Yeah, so Victor abandons them all, and he gets in the van, and he starts driving back, and he's he's singing Danny's song from uh, Kenny Loggins, Loggins and Messina. And, in, and then inadvertently just crashes into a tree for no apparent reason. I laughed out loud which, which at that. Weird. It was weird, but it was funny. Yeah, it's not like you've seen a normal TV show or movie where, you know, they lose control, and oh my God, there's a tree. No, it's, yeah, no he's driving... He's driving normal. He's singing. He's 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 heading back to camp. Boom, tree. It's just <laughs> but then there's a whole chase scene because Neil gets out of the raft. <laughs> and he trying to decide, the kids too. He decides. Yeah, he decides. Oh, the kids decide they only want Victor because they don't trust Neil, and then Neil agrees with him. So Neil decides to. Did he steal a motorcycle, or was there just yes. a motorcycle there? So he just steals a random motorcycle. Yeah, there's a small camp there and a tent and stuff, and but it happened to be a big cruiser sitting there. Yeah, he just steals a motorcycle and starts chasing Victor down. Victor, who has decided that he has to get back, so he starts running. So you get the little running, uh, running montage. Yeah, Victor running down the road to 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 turn me loose, and he <laughs> encounters a, a hay bale in the middle of the road, and he doesn't know what to do, so he. Granted, this it, it, is a this is a two foot wide hay bale in a ten foot <laughs> wide road. Yeah, it's like the size of a cinder block. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's, it's funny. <laughs> but he eventually jumps over it while Neil on the motorcycle is is almost there. He's with it within arm's reach, but he has to to turn and stop at the hay bale. He can't get around it. What makes it funny to me is not the whole hay bale thing. It's the obvious stunt double. <laughs> Yeah, oh God, yes. Yeah, Neil's obvious stun double with the completely wrong hair. Oh my God, that was ridiculous. You yeah. you got to think they did that on purpose. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I hope they it, did that on purpose because that was just completely wrong. Yeah, you can see it's a stunt double with this with, with this funky hairdo, and and it's a much older man. And then and then it cuts and to they, a they close cut up to the Neil. close up, and it's and it's back to Neil again. Then we don't really see them to. Towards the end of themselves. No, not for a the while. The they kind of disappear. Um, we get back to um, JJ and what oh, the girls the... going swimming. Yeah, uh, JJ, Gary, the... JJ Gary, and McKinley uh, peeping on the girls going swimming. Which uh, and they're just all sorts of giddy. And all of a sudden, uh, McKinley decides, "Okay, uh, I'll catch you guys later," and leaves. So uh, Gary and JJ make the tropey pact of we got to get. McKinley laid before the end of camp. We end up finding out that they chase McKinley and Susie. Is that Amy? Oh, after a, yeah, after a meeting later, they uh, uh, McKinley and Susie, the the, uh, the the play director, the talent show director. Yeah, yeah, they go walking slash off into director slash choreographer. choreographer. Yeah, <laughs> they go walking off into the woods, and Gary and JJ follow him to, to see. Oh, they're going to go get laid. Now let's go watch. I guess and. They walk in on a, a marriage. It's a wedding. Yes. Yes. Very, uh, with, very nice wedding. With both Beth and, yeah, so it's a, obviously a marriage between Ben, the actual director of the talent show. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Amy Poehler playing the flute, uh, and then Beth running the ceremony. It was a nice little ceremony. I'll give them that. I will throw out there, though, that these kids are all supposed to be 16. Fair enough. Well, what is, what is the legal age of marriage in Maine? I don't know, but she's not a very good camp director as she officiated said ceremony. Oh, I think we've established that none of these people are good camp directors. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely no one in the camp should have been there. The the wedding between McKinley and Ben ends with JJ and Gary not knowing how to process this, and the scene ends. So, so it's it's mm-hmm. setting up that they're going to have a, a bad reaction. Gonna, yeah, but then that comes back later. At this point, we uh, I think this is when we jump to the kids getting ready for the softball game against Evil Camp Tiger Claw. I love this in scene. which <laughs> in which. You know, the, the coach goes through this entire scene about how we're going to basically be the bad news bears of this story. And the kids are like, that's really trite. Is that necessary? Yeah, it's pretty well-worn like, territory. That, yeah, we, we don't really want to do this. And then the bus shows up. The coach is like, are you, is that how all of you feel? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So he goes and talks to the, uh, talks to the camp tiger clock coach. And he's like, basically you can't hear them. Really, but they're basically like, yeah, none of these kids want to play with softball or baseball. <laughs> so the coach gets back on the bus and they all leave. Yeah, another great spoof of of the old eighties movies. You know, the Bad News Bears being the, yeah. the top of that list. Yeah, I, I like that scene. Then we move on to the barbecue. Katie and Andy are talking, and uh, Katie's just being a normal girl, saying, "Hey, when we get to spend time together." Andy continues to be a dick. You know, why are you suffocating yep. me, Katie? Why are you suffocating me? God. And then trying yeah. to make out with uh, Elizabeth Banks again while she has barbecue <laughs> sauce all over her entire face. It's and just she knows barbecue it. sauce. She, she knows it. She doesn't care. Which I'll give her props for that. You know, you know thyself. But wait, wait, wait to hear what I have to say about Lindsay at the end as far as uh, the side series. <laughs> But uh, in that same one, this is when Beth comes back and starts talking to uh, Professor Henry uh, and uh, tries to uh, basically tries to talk him and the, the science kids, the indoor kids, into going and watching the capture the flag game for a deal. It's like, you, you know, you watch the capture the flag game, then you can come back later and learn, quote unquote, insert all the things she learned from her books from physics. Like she basically just started mm-hmm. railing off all sorts of things. I'm like, well, a very re- rehearsed. Somebody has been studying. Thing, yes, yeah. very, very rehearsed. Um, yeah, but she walked up on them having a good cry because we learned oh, of Hen- yes. Henry's insecurity because he's about being an associate professor. He's only an associate professor. He's he, he's less than. Yeah, he's less than. <laughs> less than. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the deal was to get them to go to watch the capture the flag game, which is a. Not really capture montage, but it's a, but yeah, it's a, they, they have that capture flag thing, which I'll say it's the only black guy in the movie is the guy who gets the flag. Okay. Yeah. Wearing in the, a, in the, uh, I swear to God, they made him look like Usain Bolt too. He had yeah, the green he's, he's and yellow. Up like a, like a Kenyan or, or yeah. uh, that kind of uniform. He's in the green and yellow, runner. like running, yeah. running marathon things. I swear to God, they, they made yeah. it look like Usain Bolt. Yeah, so I'm he, sure that's a dig at that, but yeah, as they're all trying to capture their flag, he runs in, thing. grabs the flag, and then runs across. And just beast everybody. Coop tries great. to get his flag from him, falls to the ground. <laughs> Katie's, you know, in slow motion, kind of, you know, waving at kinda, him, yeah, laughing, she's giving him the, smiling, a smile, and laugh, and everything. And then the camera pans over to Abby now making out with JJ. <laughs> so at some, we get over to. Uh, I don't remember if it was JJ and Andy or who else was with Andy in the ski boat when they were having the kids ski behind JJ. the boat. It was JJ. Mm-hmm. JJ is pretty much everywhere as a side character. And then Andy starts talking with, uh, cause Lindsay was there as well. Of course, uh, sans 
barbecue sauce, but oh, still. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because he, she said she wants him, and he's like, not here. So that's when they, they yeah. got out on the so boat. That's, that's when that's they right. went and jumped on the boat. And that's uh, and the second course, kid. That's right. Yeah, and that's yeah. They they lost the kid water skiing because he wasn't paying attention. He looks back and this kid's going, and then there's a second kid who witnessed the whole thing <laughs> in the boat, just staring at him. And then it pans back to him throwing him out of the van into the secret pizza party. <laughs> Which that I'm I'm ser- telling you that would have been the best running joke of of the movie if they had done it more than that twi- is the closest thing twice. we get to a running gag in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that could have been perfect. Perfect. And then, and then we're finally up to the uh, coop and Katie make it to the goat barn in the, uh, uh, in the yeah, cold the rain <laughs> where, uh, what was it? Uh, Katie and Cooth both expressed their cold coop being the last one to say so. So Katie offers her hoodie to coop and now Katie's cold. So coop offers his flannel to Katie uh, that, that, I mean, that, that scene alone, uh, it, it's, it could have been done so much in a different way to be funnier. Uh, I see what they were going yeah. for, but that, that, that was one I watched and I didn't laugh. It was just, and again, and again, it did set nuts. up, it did set up a portion of the, or it did set up a plot point later for when, with the flannel. Yes. We'll get to that. It did. So it was needed for the flannel joke at the end or not, not so much joke, but flannel plot point. But yeah, as far as just a standalone, it wasn't the, it wasn't really the biggest thing. At this the, point, the, we jump back for for a couple minutes to Gail, who is still crying, uh, getting emotional and uh, backup support from her uh, child therapist. Uh, flash into the cafeteria where Ben and McKinley, who are recently married, are sitting at a table. Opens the door, and JJ and what's Gary. JJ and Gary are there with yeah. A, JJ a and Gary jump in and they're, yeah. they're like, ben "We got McKinley, something to say to you. This is for you." So you're you're immediately thinking, "Okay, they're gonna tar and feather him, or they're gonna beat him up, or anything." And then all of a sudden, they carry in a giant chase lounge. <laughs> it was like this <laughs> the sweetest wedding gift out of nowhere, which is it, crate and barrel logo on the side. I don't understand that one. <laughs> it's completely random, and it's perfect. Just an entire crate. Let alone, how did they get a? Ch- yeah, how did they get a crate and barrel out to a random camp in Maine in one day? In a couple of hours. Again, time obviously means nothing in this movie because we, we learn that with Beth being pregnant later. But yes, <laughs> time obviously means nothing. Wibbly wobbly. Yeah. So friend acceptance there. Good on so them. And, so that's and, a good and, little feel good. Not and that story is complete. And I'll give you that. Yeah, that's done. McKinley's story is complete. Uh, and this is when we go back to Gene. Oh, yes. Who is watching the whole thing from the cafeteria. Gene is continuing to have another breakdown when all of a sudden he starts his conversation with the wonderful can of mixed vegetables, voiced by none other than H. John Benjamin, H- a.k.a. Sterling Archer. I, I love that. I thought there was more dialogue with the can. But it's just the one scene. It's well, it's the one scene from dialogue, and then he he comes back and the later. It, the can is a presence later, as just you know a little nod, a little nod. But yeah, can, I could have sworn there was more talking to the can. The can of mixed vegetables kind of points points Gene to the direction of basically be thyself, love thyself, yes. be who you are. Don't worry about saying the random get my dick cream rub 
rub mud on my ass kind of thing and try to lie about it to everyone else. Be yourself. If you want to rub mud on your ass, then rub mud on your ass. Which if and there's he, a moral or an him, overarching theme to this whole movie, that is it. Be, be yes. yourself. Gene walks out into the cafeteria in front of all the campers and he gives a, a nice speech. Uh, you know, I'm here, Ma. I did it. It's, it starts off really weird, but it ends up gaining the admiration of literally everyone in the room of being thyself, to which, to which Gary rolls up the refrigerator as he's like, you know what? At this point, I'm going to go hump a refrigerator. So Gary wheels it in. Gene starts helping <laughs> the refrigerator in front of all the kids and finds to thunderous applause. Yes. Yeah, I mean, damn it, that's that's who you are. Be yourself, you know. Be your be your best self. So so Gene's story is complete, his his personal journey. He's still a big player in the in, in Coop story coming up. But then we cut to Katie, who now dumps Coop. Which Coop is obviously at this point already confessed to his parents that he met someone yep. and it's the real thing. And he tries to win Katie over with this super awkward and creepy, cringy speech to her about how all he wants to do is 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 love her and protect her and and hold her near. And it's nothing that a teenage girl probably wants to. Oh hear. no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Next scene is the uh, beekeeper. Yeah, where they they, they all grab the kid. And basically uh, kidnap him and throw him into the shower, make him shower because he hasn't showered in two months. It comes up with a title card that says 7.34 p.m. They take Artie, they shove him in the shower, everyone cheers. And then the next title card is 7.35 p.m. <laughs> it took one, all of one, one minute. minute. <laughs> one whole minute. <laughs> then we go to Beth and Henry walking by the lakeside. And Henry has something to confess. <laughs> What was that? Uh, Beth, if you really want to know, meet me over by the picnic table in 10 seconds. So he walks away, and we literally sit there for about 10 seconds, just staring at Janine Garofalo, staring. And then she walks over to the picnic table, who they, which they had just walked by. That was completely empty. All of a sudden, he's in his lab coat. All the kids, all the indoor kids are there, and two tele- <laughs> along with two telescopes. And that's is when he brings up the amazing side plot of Skylab is about to crash into the uh, the camp uh, rec room. What what I love about this and 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 Henry's character is that David Hyde Pierce plays it so serious. He, he's he's like a Leslie Nielsen level of serious. He commits to that role, and I mean this guy's got. He's got Emmys from from Frasier and stuff like that. He's a serious actor at this point, and he just really, really commits to that. I would say out of the entire cast, he's the one actor that I'm surprised is in this movie. <laughs> and yet, he nailed this part. I'm just surprised he was ever in this movie to begin with. He, he's a very small part in the 10 Years Later one, but I will mention it now because it's just funny. They have to get a hold of NASA for some odd, weird reason, and it's it's like a, a rough Skype call. And uh, when it's done, all you see, he's just on a computer screen. And when he's done, he he breaks character, and he's like, uh, "All right, we're good. That was a good take for you guys. All right." And he rips off his mustache. <laughs> he gets up, and and then you can see because you don't really notice it during the Skype call, but it's his home bookshelf behind him, and he's got his Emmys on the shelf, (laughs) and he collects them, and he leaves the room. (laughs) Oh, that is beautiful. I love it. Very meta. 
I yes. like it. Yeah. And that's that's perfect for him. Honestly, he's like, is that done? Can I get back to real real theater now? So now we have this impending doom of yes. Skylab of Skylab. Is, is Skylab is or part of Skylab is hurtling towards the camp. Everyone's in danger. So now we go back to Coop, who decides to go and see his his new girlfriend. Uh well, no, his new ex-girlfriend. Oh wait, no, no, no. This is where Coop goes and talks just to Andy. Oh, right. Yes. And uh, you know, if you have one ounce of decency, you'll leave. And obviously, Andy, Paul Rudd, has zero ounces of decency. He's just a complete douche. He played it very well. He's honest. He, yeah. he, 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 he's I mean, honest. He, he says, no, Katie's hot. Fuck off. And then on his way out, Coop, Coop just hits all of the, the uh, bad luck tropes. He steps in a bucket yes. on his way out. As he kicks the bucket off, he slips on a banana peel and falls into the kiddie pool. Then the bucket that he kicked off somehow lands on his head, even though, you know, physics. And then we find Coop uh, crying in the woods. Yeah, Master Shinobi Gene comes it's, out of nowhere. It, it's not about the girl, Coop. <laughs> I well, mean, it, it is, is. But it but isn't. It isn't. <laughs> because you gotta have a montage. <laughs> Which I mean, goddamn, that was a good montage. It, is, it, it kicks off. It kicks off into a great ass montage with what is great song, higher and higher. Yeah, that show me the fever, higher and higher. It, and it was written for this movie. And yes. that's when the movie was made. That's all that existed was just the part of the montage. The full song didn't exist. But again, the prequel and stuff. They they go into that. It was a great song and a great montage. You know, it shots at Rocky and uh, and other things. Oh, yeah. Them dancing. You know, so you got you got flash dance spoofs. Yeah, Gary gets get Gary gets involved with the flash dance type dancing, and then they're just running, and it's completely unrelated to anything they're trying to do. It's just you know your typical eighties montage. It's great. So and there's also a support group in there. He's got a blanket over him. He's drinking coffee. You know. Oh yeah. So this is all, by the way, after the 7:35 p.m. title card, right? Yeah. And then right after that, it cuts to 7:51 p.m. So his it's about his 20 minutes mon- of montage. Yeah, yeah. So he he yeah. became a new man, you know, about 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And this is where we check back in with the kids on the rapids. Yeah, this is when Victor finally makes it to camp after running the whole way while being chased by Neil. That was still on the motorcycle. Somehow, after the hay bale, Victor never caught up with, uh, or no, Neil never <laughs> caught up with Victor. But yeah, Victor shows up. He's all bloody and bruised and wanting to get back with Abby. So he runs into Abby making out with one of the students. Moose. And Abby's, yeah. And Abby's like, I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to be rude, but what's your name again? <laughs> you snooze, you lose, man. Yeah, I say Victor and Neil start uh, heading back towards the rapids. But we're not even we're not even to that point yet because for some ass reason they start they they tell or Neil tells Beth about the perilous incident that the kids are in the the panic mode. Yeah, yeah. It's I I'm honestly it's they need to get a hold of Victor. So Victor yeah. calls them. They answer the phone, but the call drops. And then there's a random guy in the office who, who's able to trace the call. Yeah, he's tracing the call. The, calls are the only other phone the is in the infirmary. So, so they, they have freak to... out and they run over the infirmary, bolts in the door where there's a kid getting medical attention. And, the, and Beth's like, where the 
fuck is the phone? And they have to trash the place they, before they, they finally just the turn around and see the phone that's off Neil's, the hook. Yeah, Neil's freaking out. And he's breaking the lamps and everything just because he, <laughs> they're testing with him. They finally get all to Victor when, and they end up uh, talking Victor into going back and saving the kids because, he, quote unquote, again, he's the only one that knows how to navigate those rapids. So Neil and Victor start walking slash jogging back to the rapids, which, of course, you know, they spent the entire movie running away from. And it apparently only takes a minutes this time. They get there just in time. Yeah. And then completely off screen, Victor jumps in, saves all the kids while Neil is just sitting there. Like, whoa. Uh, what is he? Oh, my God. Is he? Did he just? <laughs> that was actually a, a well-written scene that was completely off camera. And then the next scene you get is Victor walking the kids all up. Victor's no longer bloodied. Victor's no longer bruised. Victor is completely groomed with his hair and everything. Like he's a new man kind of thing. So that was, that was well done. And, and then they, they have a terrible joke at the end. Next time you drive the van. Yeah. And then they, they have the, <laughs> and then the they 80s have the laugh, laugh, the double laugh, laugh and it falls off. Yeah. Uh, this is when we get reintroduced to the Skylab uh, subplot where uh, after their tracking devices implemented somehow, um, they have determined that the Skylab piece will hit the rec hall in 90 minutes. So then Henry, Henry has an idea of how to pull the piece away just enough so that it lands off to the side. And just watching Henry do the math in his head with his little finger, like, wait a minute. No. Nope. What is it? Well... No. Aaron's making random gestures with his finger in the air for, for those. Yeah, this will play this. better yeah. when we move to YouTube. Yeah, if only they could get a video version of podcasts. It's crazy. Uh, at that point, Henry's basically doing the math, uh, determining that he believes that he has a way to slightly redirect the falling piece of Skylab, but they need some sort of random number generator that would be able to generate random numbers between 1 and 20. Let, and this is about the time where D&D kid shines with his uh, 20-sided die. Yeah, he says, any dungeon master worth his weight in geldings goes nowhere without his 20-sided die. Yeah. So little will those, the popular girls know that that kid may have saved their life. D&D saved the world, man. And then we jump back into the talent show where we actually start seeing the, the talents, including uh, the kid who is the amazing broom balancer. Hey, it was good. It was a good performance. He did good. He didn't. Do, he didn't do it for very long, though. Apparently, there's a very low bar set at this camp. Well, b- before we get to the acts, the MC of the uh, of Old Town <laughs> Show, oh yes. is, is also played by Michael Showalter in his second role. He, he plays a a crusty old guy making terrible jokes who is a normal guy in the Catskills about how old, basically about how old he is. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> basically making a, a back when I was in summer camp, the dinosaurs were on leashes and yeah, shit like that. So he's he's basically an entire running joke about how old he is. See, I when I first saw this movie a long time ago, I thought that actually was Coop just kind of playing a role. Yeah, I, as opposed I, to him playing a second la- part. Later yeah. viewings, I, I caught on that no, it's actually a you know it's a whole separate character. You kind of realize that when Coop runs into the room later. Again, I, I first watched this at Josh's house, so there it's where we brewed beer. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll not mention anything. Like that. So the, the terrible acts, yeah, you got the pole balancer, you got Moose doing a lighting a fart on fire. Ah, uh, yes. A couple of girls singing. And then uh, Gail's husband, or ex-husband at that point. He, he's played by a comedian. I can't remember yeah, his I can't name. I can't remember either. But he, he shows up, which she obviously tells him off. And 
that whole thing, which is, is pretty predictable. Yeah, that's still the one storyline this movie could have done without. Yeah. Uh, then we finally get to what is supposed to be the best act in the show, which is uh, Susie and Ben's. It is. And it's good. It is a great rendition of Day by Day from Godspell. But uh, Susie and Ben come out to, sh- to introduce them. And uh, Susie is obviously disappointed with them so far because the first thing she says is, before we start, I'd like to say the campers we're about to see suck dick. <laughs> Here they are. I'm like Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> and then they, yeah, they do. A, they actually do a really good rendition of Day by Day. Godspell is about a modern day Jesus Christ retelling of the uh, of his story yeah. in a modern setting. So it's completely, you know, it's in it's in character. It's just it it goes to show at a Jew at a Jewish camp, it's completely out of place. <laughs> And while they're singing, everyone is clapping along day by day. Yeah, and they're they're all doing the swaying. Like every other row is swaying in the opposite direction. As soon as they bow, there's a crucifix in the background that that lights up, and the whole crowd just boos. And it was something that oh yeah. Say first couple showings, I saw this. I didn't like what? Why are they booing? That was great. I, I it didn't uh, yeah hit me. <laughs> yeah, and it because I didn't I didn't realize I didn't really notice that it was a Jewish camp. I didn't get uh, catch that. And even uh, and even uh, you flash back while they're booing. You even flash to Amy Poehler and and Ben, like Susie and Ben, and they're like, "Eh, all right, we tried." <laughs> and this is about the time that reinvented Coop busts in in his yes. new gym gym robe and the and his '80s headband, and all the girls apparently swoon because he's a new man and he's he's grown up a lot since before dinner. It's it's crazy, yeah. He's a he's grown up a lot in the last thirty minutes, <laughs> and he just walks. So every every woman in this place is swooning over him right now. He just walks over to Katie. I think I'm leaving. I'm going to go somewhere. I don't know. And he gives her this little tiny, maybe three inch by three inch box as a parting gift, and then walks away. Katie ends up uh, opening it up and <laughs> she pulls out his entire flannel, which obviously is not going to fit in a buck, but she pulls out that flannel that he loved so much earlier at the movie. So that's, that's the tie in with the whole goat scene thing. So that's the mm-hmm. only thing the goat scene or the goat scene, the goat, make, <laughs> the goat, the, the barn scene, <laughs> the barn, the, the goat barn makeout scene was really worth is to establish that Katie's a little bit of a tease and to establish that, Coop really loves this flannel. And then he just gave it to her and he mm-hmm. walks away. And that that flips the switch for Katie. But then that, then that coincides with Weird Kid Steve's performance on stage. <laughs> yeah, he's got white gloves on and he just holds his hands out and he starts, you know, summoning this windstorm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He basically becomes Aurora Monroe. And uh, commands the wind while at the same time you flash back to uh, indoor kids and Professor Henry and Beth trying to control uh, or trying to redirect this crashing Skylab piece. Yeah, this is in a sense the climax of the movie right here. You've got got Steve on stage doing his windstorm. I, I love the camper reactions, though, during the, the windstorm, because you got you got Andy playing air guitar. Abby and Lindsay start making out uh, in the background higher and higher starts playing again. The show me yeah. the fever. 
Uh, Andy tries to jump over Lindsay at that point where Lindsay just shrugs him off and goes back to Abby. Yeah. Which, which is deserving. And then Skylab lands, lands clear like the 30 hall. feet. Yeah. Like 30 feet from the rec hall. And then the windstorm stops inside mm-hmm. the rec hall and you get the slow clap from JJ. JJ. Yeah. JJ does the slow clap. <laughs> and, oh, and also while all that's going on, you've got Katie running outside to coop saying she loves him who didn't realize who didn't realize it until just now, but she loves him. Beth kissing Henry and Katie kissing Coop and Lindsay kissing Abby. And that's pretty much the end of the last day of summer. We, and we kind of jumped to the next day where uh, professor Henry has now won the Hopkins award and has got a job uh, with NASA <laughs> down at Cape Canaveral for his amazing yeah. work with, redirecting Skylab. Within a matter of hours, he runs out with a big trophy. <laughs> I won the Hopkins Award. <laughs> yeah, which he's obviously going to move to Cape Canaveral, but he requested an apartment for two so that Beth could come with him. And apparently <laughs> Beth is pregnant by now. Um, Katie, <laughs> in the weirdest twist, Katie comes back to Coop and gives him, and basically shoots him down again. So, uh, you know, last night was amazing. And you were so sweet and everything, but I'm going to go back to Andy because he's hot and I don't even care if he's lame and he cheats on me. He's just really hot. I'm, that's just where I'm at right now. I just want to bang him all the time. And that's just where my priorities are right now. But it's a good representation of a, you know, teenage girl in the, in her you know late teens, twenties. Yeah. But then she has the audacity to end her little, I'm dumping you with, but, but, but write me a letter. Okay. Yeah. We're still friends, right? It's just the anti, it's the anti, uh, moral of the story. Uh, if you can do all the things right and shit still blows up in your face and you know, and shit happens. And then Andy pulls up in his dad's car. Kenny, come on, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> then we get lots of goodbyes from, from the campers, the, the kids that we never, you know, you know, put in. Yeah. this is when we find out Gail and the, again, and the child psychologist are getting married and, yeah, it's a lot weird. Yeah, no, they're because they because they want to invite Beth and Henry to their engagement party or to their <laughs> wedding or whatever it is. And uh, Gene says goodbye to the can of beans. He does. The can of beans just nods. And then Coop and Beth just kind of walk away, and the movie's over. All storylines resolved. And they go into a really awesome credits montage. I will say, I like the I like the ending credits how they did that. Okay. Most of our usual questions kind of don't really apply to this one. As far as whether or not this film holds up for new viewers today, um, there, I mean, there are a couple of things with the time difference and the technology differences. Uh, for one, is summer camp, you're the one with the kids, is summer camp still a thing? Is this type of summer camp actually a thing now in the 2020s? Not really. Uh, and they actually touch on that in the 10 years later thing is, you know, is the do, do people still go away for eight weeks in the summer? I never did as a kid. Neither did I. And like so, my kids they they do a few days at baseball camp, a few days at dance camp, a few days mm. at what? Like my my son's going to a Lego building camp, so that's kind of cool. That sounds amazing. It does. I would have loved to have done that stuff at six years what old. What in the hell? I'm gonna have to talk about my father. What the shit? <laughs> Dad, if you're listening, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> as far as who is this movie really aimed for, 
I would say pretty much anybody who's a fan of the comedy of Kids in the Hall slash The State slash Reno 911 type humor. It's it's really obscure. It's it's specific. I want to add to that, though. It's, it's also someone who grew up watching Meatballs Friday the 13th. Yeah. If you were a fan of those, you know, minus the slasher stuff, obviously, but still the camp atmosphere, those various <laughs> camp movies. I'd say they also spoof Rocky and, and Flashdance and a couple other things, but mainly this the, the camp atmosphere movies. If you were a fan of those, then uh, you'd get a kick out of this. Movie. Yeah, the spoof aspects of this go to, but a lot of the a lot of the humor in it is kind of geared toward. It's the same kind of humor from say the states and mm-hmm. Kids in the Hall type stuff, which is it's not for everyone. I'm a fan. I can tell you that I've met plenty of people that are not a fan. Uh, one, one point of reference is uh, uh, I have two younger brothers. They are three years apart, and they are in their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, they are three years apart from each other or three years apart from you? Three years Just apart from so each other. They're 10 knows. years younger than me, so they're, you know, they're a whole decade behind me. And okay. they are split on this movie. My youngest brother enjoyed it, whereas uh, my older little brother, not so much. I don't have like number rankings, but just based on conversations with them, they uh, uh, Nick enjoyed it. Tony didn't. Tony's just still mad that we left Randy Quaid out of ID four. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not going to let us forget about that. Nope, not till he joins us. <laughs> now, what is he on the list for? Uh, a few good men. Uh, he's a big Sorkin fan, so say yeah, a few good men. Yeah, um, the Mighty Ducks. He's a big Mighty Ducks fan, so. Ah, uh, I'll give him props for that. All right. Uh, but, yeah, once we're ready to bring in some guests, we'll. Yeah, we'll definitely get Tony in here and let him embarrass himself in front of all of you. Yes. So, uh, as far as, say, if we wanted to see, a, uh, like, a slightly different version of this movie, first thing to me that comes to mind is I'd love to see this as a musical. <laughs> that would be good. I could just I like that. I could just picture this. Like every every random plot point, it just the cast. I can just see David Hyde Pierce just going into yes. song right there. And then Paul Rudd dancing across the water as the kid drowns. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but Lindsay is so hot. Another yeah. kid out of the van. <laughs> <laughs> Secret pizza party. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I would pay for that. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you on the musical. I think that would be. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, even just on a Broadway stage, I'd love to see the broad. Oh, what yes. American Summer, the musical. You know, on on stage. <laughs> I mean, let's kickstart that, man. Call, call your people, <laughs> all of our listeners for the the podcast. You know, just you know, start pulling your money together. Yeah, let's let's do it. So, uh, as I am not the one with kids here, uh, you have two kids of your own. What would you, would you consider this movie something that you would watch with your kids? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Oh, hell no. This has been the hardest movie to watch for me because I had to watch it in chunks by myself. Whereas, you know, Coneheads and the wedding singer and stuff, you know, just, that's just on. Whereas here, every time they came into the room, I watched it in little 15 minute bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, deposit or earmuffs. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. This is that wasn't this is one for the kids. Not appropriate for kids. And if it was appropriate for children, it wouldn't be as funny. Yeah, it would lose a lot if uh, they dumped it, let, dumped it down. Let alone the language, but just the just the plot. Like the kids, obviously, are not going to get any of this no. humor. 
whether or not they care about all the filthy, but, filthy but then language. again, I never got any of the jokes in meatballs when I first saw it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until 10, 15, 20 years later, you watch meatballs again. It's like, Oh man. I, those oh, all so, yeah. Head. There's so many eighties movies. I could, I could put on that list to where I just thought they were humorous, funny. I didn't actually understand the jokes. If only we had a list for that. I know we should totally <laughs> do something like that. Maybe talk about it for a while. Let's, yeah, let's talk about that and get something going. <laughs> I guess uh, now it's time on our show where we rank the movie based on our fan review in the IMDb review. Uh, it's a 10-point scale, and the average between our reviews, both me and Steve, and IMDb will be put on our mega list. So, Steve Z, uh, what did you think from an overall like final thoughts and rankings for this movie? So, I love this movie. It still makes me laugh out loud at many places. Again, far from a perfect movie. However, man, this was hilarious. I will recommend this to anybody. Uh, if they don't like this type of humor, I'm sorry for them. But to me, this is this was great. So uh, my ranking is a 7.75. That's, uh, you know, kind of along the same lines as me. Uh, I would say about the same thing. I thought this was a hilarious movie. I obviously admit that this humor is not for everyone. And I know a lot of people aren't going to get this humor uh, it's not so much where you have to grow up in the 80s to understand the humor. It's not like some of our, our previous movies where, like The Wedding Singer, where you, you didn't get the jokes if you didn't grow up in the 80s. Um, it obviously helps in this movie uh, with just the little things. But if you're a fan of any type of dry, sarcastic, uh, weird comedy, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this movie. I end up giving it about a 7.2. And then I drop things. I'm not, I don't have high hopes for IMDb. They probably. IMDb gives this movie a 6.6. So we're, we both come in a little higher. Uh, do you have the, do you have the math on that? By our scores combined, 7.18, which puts this as the number one movie on our list, slightly above Independence Day, which was a solid seven. We need to review more movies then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing against what on American <laughs> Summer, but wow. Of the four we've done. <laughs> of, the, of the four movies we've done, this is the highest ranked. Yes. And, and I'll admit, I had more laughs watching this than any other movie we have reviewed so far. In our defense, I did rate Independence Day higher. And uh, yeah, I, that's all you. <laughs> it's all your fault. Okay, so next, next up, we will be spinning for the next movie. I have the dial set. Spin that wheel. One thirty-three. Wait, before we, before I look, what are you hoping for here? Well, I'm trying to guess it. I'm saying, what what kind of movie are you hoping to watch? After this, after we've done quite a few like straight comedies. I'm actually uh, aside from Independence Day, it's pretty pretty much been all comedy. So I'd be okay with uh, a a pretty good like drama, mm -hmm. or maybe like rom com kind of thing is a little different, but uh, more, more drama. I, I'm in the same boat. I'm 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 hoping for a drama something. I mean, the the comedies we've watched have been deeply rooted in the '80s and '90s. So yeah, I'm looking for something with a with a better story or something really bad. I could go either way. So my my yeah. guess for 133, which is about third way to the down, I'm I'm aiming for the G to H range. Uh, how close am I? I haven't looked yet. I, no. All right, here we go. I'm looking now. 
Here we go. All right, let's go. What, what was the number? What, what was the number? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, friends, we are professionals. <laughs> One thirty-three is hackers. Oh, <laughs> nineteen ninety-five hackers. Oh, exactly, exactly what I was looking for—a a drama. If I recall correctly, one of the first movies that Angelina Jolie was ever in, if not the first. Uh, now that we've done with this movie, uh, uh, we can kind of get into uh, other things that we're currently watching. Uh, do you have anything, Steve, that you're currently watching that you'd like to recommend for anybody? Uh, I have been uh, rewatching The Crown with my wife from the beginning on Netflix. So I have heard good things about it's, that. It's a great series, especially if you're just kind of a fan of the British British history and the monarchy and royal family that that Anglophile stuff. It's 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 definitely uh, interesting. Uh, my grandmother was British. She was real into that that world. So uh, uh, it's kind of kind of nice to see. And they do they do a good job. So I recommend that if you Excellent. haven't watched The Crown yet, it's four seasons out there, and they Excellent. and they change the actors and actresses as they get older. And mm-hmm. Matt Smith plays Prince Philip in the first two seasons. So it's doc, the doctor as you've not seen him before. And he does, he does yes. excellent. He really does. That was one of the main draws that I originally learned about the series was uh, knowing that Matt Smith was in it. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of Matt Smith just from Doctor Who, let alone a couple of the other things that he's been in. There's times, there's times that he will do sort of a, uh, a speech or something. And that speech just makes me think of, you know, the Pandorica opens or something where he's, you know, mm-hmm. the, the good man goes to war sort of speeches. So yeah, highly uh, yes. recommended. Uh, one that I've been watching recently, uh, it's kind of one of my binge shows whenever I have some time. It's called Bull. Um, it stars Michael Weatherly, who is from uh, previously on the NCIS shows. I can't remember what station it's on, but it's basically Michael Weatherly starring as a basically trial psychologist. Very similar to, say, a procedural cop show or a procedural law show, but not so much in where it's centered around Michael Weatherly's character, Jason Bull, who is a psychologist who runs a company called uh, TAC, which I can't remember what it stands for right now for some reason. And they are they basically work as consultants for uh, jury trials. So he, he basically delves into the psychology of selecting and dealing with jurors okay. in jury trials. It's actually, it sounds really weird when you, when, when I describe it, but watching the show, it's actually been very good. And the, uh, because of that, like the plots to each episode are kind of off in nowhere. Cause they're all completely different trials. It's a new Every trial now and then you'll get like a two parter. Yeah. Every now and then you get a two-parter, but they they tackle a lot of weird things, and and a lot of them are some good moral stories. So that's that's one I definitely recommend. I'm in the middle of season four, and there are current they're currently on season five of production. Okay, so, let's put that on my list. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening, and we hope you stay with us through this little experiment. What did you think of Wet Hot American Summer? Let us know through our socials, and we'll be sure to tell you how wrong you are. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Check out our website in the show notes and you'll see our full list of movies we'll be covering and our rankings thus far. You can also visit us on our Patreon where we'll try to post some random outtakes before the final cut. We'll see you next time on on Cinema Cinema Decon. Decon.
Secret Pizza Party. <laughs>